Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. Uh, it's kind of, I'd say, a festive edition, but we're in that part of the week where most people, if they're sensible and lucky, are at home eating Quality Street and drinking lager. But anyway, we're not. We're in Hulls Hall Street. And uh, we're bringing you a little Christmas pod just before uh, Everton get back into action at the KC Stadium on Friday. But before we get into the whole preview, we've got a win to discuss, lads. It's me, Greg O'Keefe, joined by Phil Kirkbride, Tony Scott and Adam Jones, who's doing a, a decent passable impression for Gav Buckland. Um, <laughs> lads, Tony, start with you. Three points at Leicester and the old cliche about a game of two halves could never have been more... Apt really, first half horrendous, second half not quite so much. It's been like that all season, hasn't it? You're only playing in one half. It's total opposite of the Merseyside derby where we were brilliant for the first 45 minutes. And brilliant? Just, yeah, first 45 minutes. Liverpool can get out their own half. We've talked about We've this. We've done this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Leicester. <laughs> no, it, it's been happening all season, hasn't it? With basically the two, the two halves of football, Everton play. Be nice to get 90 <laughs> minutes, maybe one game this season. But it showed you the difference in attitudes, I think, in the second half when we seen when we played Leicester towards the end of last season when Leicester won the league. It was the comparisons were unbelievable. Yeah. You had players actually having a go, the attitudes were changing. And I think what what was evident with watching the Leicester game, I seen players were actually having a go. Now I don't know you've got Ross Barkley, Kevin Morales, Tom Cleverley, players against Leicester last week, which were literally basing a goal, running off the ball, everything that you didn't see six weeks ago from them. Now, I don't know whether it's we're one week away from the transfer deadline, but attitudes have all of a sudden changed. I don't know what's being said, but them, that, the trio that I've just mentioned, it was evident what they were doing. The off the ball, more than anything, was there for all to see. Is the message getting through, Phil? Well, there was a definite shift, It wasn't there, pre-Arsenal. You know, I think after they came back after the Watford game, and there was a tap like sense of apathy about the whole performance or certainly that, that key 35-40 minutes at Watford Yeah, and I think Michael Ball made a really interesting point and I think he summed it up well I think he, he went Ronald started the season thinking Everton could be a passing team and then realised we haven't got the players to be good enough so he goes we're now going to go back to being a hard working team and we're going to build like that and now he's gone it's going to work, but I still haven't quite got the place to do it well. So we're kind of bang average at both. But he's gone, we're working hard, probably going to get his better results until I can get quality players in and we can be a hybrid of both. So after the Watford game, I think he, he made a conscious decision that that would be the way forward. Working your socks off, be solid, hard to beat. A little bit like the first couple of games of the season. And, you know... The derby side, you know, in those three games, two wins and a defeat. I think if you if you kind of just went, you get six points out of a possible nine in the last three games, you'd be pleased with that. Um, and I think that will be the way forward until, as I say, probably even for the, for quite a lot of the season remaining. You know, yeah, injection of quality will come in January, but I still think you'll find that Ronald probably had his fingers burnt a little bit by believing that the bulk of the squad could 
be a passing team and good enough to be a passing team. So I think you'll find that this type of football will, will carry on for quite a while. Adam, two, sorry, two long balls, two goals. Are you bothered uh, yeah, about the quality, about the, the way the goals are created? Or do you just want to see winning football at the moment? Absolutely not. Just three points is three points at the end of the day. And the three points was exactly what we needed. I'd, I'd say the Leicester game was really interesting. I don't think we played well, even in the second half particularly. I think we played better mm. the first half of the derby, most of the game against Arsenal. We played a lot better than we did in that second half against Leicester. But we got the two goals and that is all that matters and that should should be all that really matters at this point until we can get the players, as Phil says, that we need to build up our system now. Then there's... Pragmatic yeah, footballs yeah, like. Exactly. It's the, thing, it's the irony, it is against Leicester. That, that's what Leicester was doing to the majority of teams last season. Just knocking it long, Vardy'll chase it and get a goal. And that's that's what Everton's on against Leicester and they got they got caught. Interestingly, Phil, do you think since Watford, Everton have just gone more direct since that defeat? I've noticed it a lot. They've just gone straight to Rome, get in the channels yeah. and win them second balls. And I've noticed it just since that Watford game where they weren't doing it beforehand. Well, yeah, well, funny enough, Ronald mentioned, he made a big point after the Watford game that they, were, that they were going too direct too often. We, he said Stecklenburg mm. was getting the ball and just pumping it long. So, uh, in, in many respects, I don't know if they are going more direct, but I know why you say it, because mm. it feels like they are. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe he feels that direct is being almost completely direct is the best way against the better teams. Now, it'll be interesting to see whether they are as direct at Hull, whether they feel that they can maybe play a little bit more um, and don't have to be quite as agricultural in the football. But definitely, as you say, Arsenal, Liverpool, Leicester, it's been, it's been pretty much one football. But it's been the tactics work. I think if you start playing absolutely. football yeah, against yeah. these teams, against Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal to a certain extent, they will beat us nine yeah, times course, out of yeah, ten. Yeah. So if you go and direct against them, yeah. it's different, If as you've just said, when we're playing Watford yeah. and you don't want to go long and you want to try yes. and play football against yeah, them, yeah, yeah. then you will struggle because mm. they cannot work here as, yeah. as well. It's going to be interesting the way we approach Hull. If they do go direct, well, I think a lot of it may depend on Hull's um, how they decide to press. If they de- if if they're brave and Hull, Hull press our back three, probably they press our back three high, then you're probably going to go over the top, aren't you? Because there's yeah. gaps between the lines. But if they're going to stand off, then pumping it long is very difficult because they'll have men round the ball, they'll have men round Rob. Yeah. So that that puts the onus back on Everton, but. I, I, the way I see Hull going, and we'll talk about it later, I suspect that Hull at home will try and sort of take the initiative and I think it might play into Everton's hands. No, I think when we're, I've watched Hull's last couple of games, they've been on the telly, haven't they? And I watched, they played West Ham away and they got beat and I thought they were brilliant. They stayed at the post three times and I thought they were brilliant. They should have, they should have beat West Ham that don't get beat. They got caught at the end of penalty. And even against Manchester City, they took them to like the 74th minute. Was remember against United at home early yeah. in the season. This is what I think. I think Ronald might... I wasn't there yesterday, but I think he might have uh, mentioned it. I think what you'll find at Hull, they'll be super competitive for a good three quarters yeah. of the game. So, our odds, money, you might be able to tell me, but yeah. I'll be back in Everton to score late. Late on in the yeah. match? Yeah. Do you think Hull will just run out of steam then? I think it's, I think it's a confidence thing, perhaps... You know, we talk about Everton's having confidence issues. I think at home, where they think that's where they're going to pick up their points, if they if they've been banging on the door and getting nowhere, 
They're going to get nervy, and you home fans will get nervy. I think. Well, as we've seen them against Leicester, having late goals, it's, it's why do you think that's happening a lot this season, Greg, for Everton? Why they're scoring a lot of late goals? Maybe because they're always having to react to a, a poor first half mm. and get in at the at half time and get reset and refired up by the manager. It's not a perfect situation. However, you'd take it if late goals were, you know, scoring late in the game in, in some ways is a positive thing because it indicates that you're kind of getting there and they're about to the fitness levels you need and that yeah. you've got that focus and dedication. But as we know and we've addressed already in this pod, it's often as a result of they've had to do that because Don't the first be half have been, been so bad. I noticed Ross Barkley uh, and, and Tom Davis, particularly Ross, had a much brighter cameo So when he came on at the King Power. Yesterday, Ronald Koeman was asked inevitably about Ross and his, his answer was very interesting. He said, look, anything I say about Ross is going to make headlines, which is true. And in many ways, that's the nature of a press conference, so he, he shouldn't complain about that. What he did say is maybe I've been too honest. I'm not, I'm not a good enough actor. I've been too honest. That's it indicating he's either going to suggest that he might sell a few pork pies in the future or just not say anything. Do you think he's been too honest? Can a manager be too honest? I think in the media, it it, it can go one way, can't it? it, it yeah, the player will react to it, and that, that's it. I think what he says behind closed doors to him is a different thing. To me, Ronald Koeman will say it as it is, what he tells the player behind closed doors and what he says is to the media. I don't I don't think there's no middle ground with him. I think that's what he says. But you're looking at the managers that Ross has had in the past. He's had Roy Hodgson for England, and he had David Moyes and Roberto Martinez, Neil Warnock when he was at <laughs> So yeah. I think the types of managers he has had, they're not as forthright and honest as what Ronald Koeman is. Koeman will say it as it is. Um, maybe the penny has finally dropped with Ross. I, I think he, this is... This season, it's either going to go one way with Ross. It is. He's going to find himself either being sold to a lower league, maybe even going on loan to the championship, or sky's the limit. This is the season for him because Cumin hasn't got time to nurse players like him, house them. You can't do it. You're going to have to make sure you're ten goals a season, ten assists a season, especially for a player of his ability and the position he plays in. There's no middle ground, and this is the time where. He's got a manager who's going to tell him as it is, and if it's not good enough, he'll be sold or he'll be dropped down a division. Do you think, Adam? I mean, in many ways, I personally relish the fact that Koeman's prepared to say it like it is. Mm. After the last three or so years of, of Martinez, who had a different strategy of speaking to the media, and often it was quite polit- it was like almost like a politician the way mm. he'd he'd filibuster in his answers and go around the houses and 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 say things that sometimes didn't quite make sense or stand up to much scrutiny. Koeman, the exact opposite in many ways. What do you make of it? Well, I think it's a lot more refreshing in general to see Koeman come out and be more honest. But especially with players like Barkley, like Barkley's been struggling for about two seasons now, you'd say, pretty consistently. He tried the arm-over-the-shoulder approach, let's say, of Martinez, trying to shield him from anything from the media. Last season, it didn't work. This season, Koeman's been a lot more honest with him. Has it really worked? I'm not sure. Maybe Koeman this this time is saying, right, okay, I do need to just stand off him and let him do his own thing mm. for the for the last however many months of the season. Let him try and prove himself yeah. and then see what happens at the end of the season. 
Well, it would be a shame, wouldn't it, if, if Koeman did decide to just zip it and, and not speak to the media about players anymore. I don't think that's exactly what he's suggesting, mm. but he, you know, is he just thinking out loud there, or is he is he trying to underline to Ross that I think <laughs> he's I, not having an attack at Well, the irony is, I think he's just he's just being honest again. Yeah. Just being honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, from our point of view, in a professional sense, the more honest Ronald is, the better. But then equally. As a, as a reader and a supporter, I would say I'd want the manager to be as honest as, and as open as possible because Premier League football clubs have perhaps never been so inaccessible, is that the word? Mm. And the sense that you don't, and they feel more and more in modern football removed from the players that you go and watch and pay to watch and the managers and stuff. So I think that if Ronald is bringing a degree of, a significant degree of honesty back to, back to the table through the media and, and however in, in various other ways I can only see that as a good thing now he's probably thinking I perhaps certainly in Ross's case I perhaps just need to temper what I'm saying so he's probably going to be a little bit more conscious when talking about Ross and to a lesser extent Lukaku I'd say but I would I would be disappointed on both of those fronts if Ronald just decided to be a closed shop you know first and foremost from a for supporters' perspective, because as I say, the, that honesty almost takes you into the change rooms a little bit—a place n- none of us get because that's just the way it is. But by Ronald, as we as we believe, saying it in public as he says it in private to Ross, you understand what's going on, and I think it can work two ways. Because if Ronald is telling us in the media and to, and therefore to the readers, I'm telling Ross to do X, Y, and Z. You can therefore see it on the pitch where he's trying to or he's not trying to. None of this cloak and dagger nonsense where you don't know what he's being asked to do. Yeah. It's clear what Ross is being asked to do. So you can make a proper judgment on a player that way. In the last three games, I've seen a different Ross Barkley than what I've seen ever before. Go on. Attitude. Off the ball. was work rate. I've never seen that before. Now, he didn't have the best of games against Liverpool, don't get me wrong, but he tried and worked his socks off. Don't dispute that. Yeah, he did. Against Arsenal, likewise. When he come on against Leicester, likewise again. I haven't seen that from Ross Barkley in many years. He's normally just going through the motions in games. When the ball comes to his feet, he'll take two or three passes on. Lovely assist, lovely goal. I haven't seen this in his game. Now, it's probably come from Koeman. It has to be because yeah, yeah. we when we played Sunderland early on the season. Ronald Koeman came out and told you fellas, he said, listen, I've told him where he's going wrong. We've showed him the clips. We've showed him the videos. And this is what it's going to be. And again, we're just, it's just been turned into a Ross Barkey podcast as usual, isn't it? Gav would be rolling his eyes. I don't, I don't want to sort of labour the point. I'm, I want to stress before I say this. This isn't any particular inside info. This is me just kind of surmising the situation. I wonder whether at some point, when we talk about Ronald being honest in public as he is in private, maybe at some point it's filtered down, and this is me just reading between the lines, that Ross no longer feels that he wouldn't be sold. I wonder whether that message at some point has, has trickled down and Ross goes, this manager will cut me loose here. I need to start because I love this football club. Yeah. I want to make this work more than anything else. And I just wonder whether he's gone, well, actually, he'll bin me off if I'm not producing. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the Leicester game, we've seen a different change in the formations and we've seen the three at the back again. Now, what did we think? How do you think that went? I'm not a 
traditionally under Cumin so far been a big fat admirer of when he's gone three at the back. I preferred the four three three, um, and the compact way that helps Everton press. But I have to say at Leicester in the second half and defensively throughout the game, I think it worked quite well. Uh, and it probably ties into what Phil was saying and to what you were, you were both saying to an extent. We might have to be prepared to be a bit expedient and just put entertainment, put free-flowing football, put all that behind the immediacy of getting results. So do I want to see three at the back in a long term or, or five at the back, which it effectively is? Then again, if you've got two holding, it, it's in many ways, it's very, very defensive. But if he does that for the rest of the season, we win more games 2-0 than we lose. I think in the short term, you need to be prepared for a while to accept it. Adam, if any team's got the players to play 3-5-2 at Everton with Holgate, Williams and Murray, you've got two full-backs in Coleman and Baines. Mm -hmm. Surely Everton, that, that's the right formation for Everton, you'd say, wouldn't you, if you're going to do it? Well, yeah, before the Leicester game, I was saying I wanted us to move to that kind of system because I felt like it would work for us, but... I felt like in the first half it wasn't working because we had Morales and Lennon out wide as well as Baines and Coleman out wide. Yeah. Whereas in the second half I felt like Morales especially focused more down the middle on supporting Rom and that freed up the channels a bit and gave us a bit more attacking influence going forward. Yeah. So I'd say maybe just cut, cut loose any sort of <laughs> wingers, yeah. focus yeah. purely on Coleman and Baines, give us the width and just pack out the middle. Phil, it's an interesting point from Adam. Mm, yeah. I don't know if, certainly you, you were at the King Power, uh, I was here at Old Hall Street, um, and a few people were saying they felt that, especially in the first half, Baines and Morales didn't have much of a link down that flank, and often Baines was getting it and, and Morales wasn't, not that it was a work rate thing, but he just wasn't close enough to him. So, and I know Ian Snowden on Everton Radio was getting frustrated. He felt the ball was being played across the back three or five, if you like, too much. Have uh, you ever seen that episode of The Simpsons where they're taking the mick out of, out of soccer? Yeah. It was just like that. Ah, yeah. oh, it, was, it was just horrendous. It was. I thought the first 45 minutes of Vicarage Road early this month was the worst 45 minutes of Premier League football I'd ever seen. That trumped it. Uh, it was. I can't. I can't... Is anybody who wasn't at the game or has only watched the highlights, I'm actually they skimmed over that first half and there's a reason because nothing happened. The only thing Everton did was stay in it. And then Ronald got them in, made a few tweaks, and as Adam mentions, it wasn't just, you know, you had Morales, Lennon, etc. at wide. Ron was drifting out wide as well. So you had nothing in the middle. But clearly Ronald had a word with somebody, Lukaku, and I think Kevin, just before the start of the second half, it was delayed for... Slavani to come out of the changing rooms. He was late coming out, and Ronald called Kevin over and had a quite a detailed chat with him. Six minutes later, he makes his first run right down the middle of the pitch, and he score. So I suspect Ronald had said to him, "Run right in between the centre halves. You're quicker than them. We're playing it long. You'll turn them, and you'll get an opportunity." Because it never happened in the first half. Tippy tappy nonsense, yeah. and it was dreadful. But you know, in the context of the ninety minutes, you look back at the forty-five and you go, "Well." as an away performance, felt our way into the game, weren't really troubled, and then we just stepped it up. And So, if, if it had lost, well, yeah. but, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a perfect away game. Can I ask you, can I ask you about um, our mate, Tom Davis? Mm. It, 
great little cameo from him, wasn't it? The fans have been obviously up in arms. They want to see more youngsters on the team. Mason Allgate, Tom Davis, they all played on Leicester. How do you think they did fully? I thought Tom was really good. I thought he looked really focused. Didn't make any mistakes. You know he's a confident young lad anyway, but to come in that situation and to replace Gareth Barry, a player of his stature within Everton's squad, um, I thought it was a big show of faith in him and I thought he did really well. Um, he had the confidence to take a couple of go- shots at goal um, when he had the chance. As I said, keeps it simple. Tom, that's mm. Tom's game. He keeps it simple. I think he just added a bit of impetus and injected a little bit of, of energy into that second half because they brought on Drinkwater and Mares. And they were kind of just floating in between the lines. And I think maybe Ronald was a little bit conscious of Barry. Probably a couple of things Getting thinking. Over we've, mm-hmm. we've got a lot of games coming up. So there's an opportunity to bring him off 20 minutes before the end anyway. And yeah, legs. Get Tom in about them. You know, so you had, you had, you had two with Guy and Davis. Yeah. You had two kind of real terriers in there and I think it, it, it upset any rhythm Leicester was trying to build it was a really good change and Tom did well As would you would you say Ronald Koeman will add the bottle dare I say to to start Tom Davis especially with the, just a guy now going to the African Nations well that's the big thing isn't it I think it's it's come to the time now especially with McCarthy being injured for a couple of weeks at yeah. least you're going to have to make the choice when guy's out it's going to be presumably either Cleverly or Davis who's going to come into that midfield yeah. Yeah. So he's got to play one of them, and I'd really hope it'd be Tom Davis. I think I think a lot hinges um, on the speed at which you can get Schneidlin into the into the club. Yeah. Because if there's going to be any delay post Southampton, if you know it's not going to be first, second, or third of Jan, if you've got the FA Cup game against Leicester, I would say that would be a perfect time to play Tom mm-hmm. alongside mm-hmm. an experienced midfielder. And then there's a gap, isn't it, to City? Tom's like eight days, I think, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So. If he's going to play him, that it's this, it's next week. It's Southampton and, and Leicester, I would say, because you would assume by the time City rolls around, Schneiderlin will be in the door. Now, obviously, there's the factor of is he match fit, Schneiderlin. So whether Everton feel they could get him match fit in time for City, I don't know, but you would suspect that would be the, the aim anyway. We're talking transfers. Hopefully not too many of them are bullshit, as the, <laughs> as the manager so memorably termed yesterday. So Adam Ola-Luckman is one uh, young player who Phil has written a couple of times is on his way in. Um, the manager admitted himself as much yesterday that he's, there's interest in the boy, as he said. Um, you know, Look on the website if you want to see more about that later on this afternoon, this evening. But 10 million quid, Charlton, you probably won't have seen a lot of him, but what are your impressions of that prospective deal? Well, it, it stinks of a Steve, it reeks of a Steve Walsh deal for me, doesn't he? Lower leagues, looking for a bit of pace up front. He looks as if he's a tricky lad, doesn't he? So, yeah. listen, there's a lot of teams in for Mars and Liverpool were looking at him as well, wasn't he? So, if they can get that one over the line, listen, if it's a five million with like three million add-ons and so whatnot, you can't really lose with them. When you think about the money that we've wasted on Omani Ass, then I think Evertonians wouldn't argue against this deal going through. Listen, the more signs, the better. Everton need competition for places. But looking on players coming in, I think one concerns me is going out. I think the right looks on the wall for Gerard Delafeu. Now, we've seen him, he weren't even in the squads against Liverpool. He was on the bench, an unused substitute, wasn't he, against Leicester. For me, I just think Ronald Koeman's washed his hands with him. He just looks as if he's had countless amounts of opportunities. His fitness levels are abysmal. And he just hasn't performed and hasn't done for some time. And I think 
if you bring in this kid in, it looks as though it, for me it'll be a straight swap. Be careful because you'll have Adam's mum on your back for this. <laughs> she's Jerry's biggest fan. But Adam, at the risk of getting no tea tonight when you get home, <laughs> what what's your take on it? I've got to agree. I think Delafeu's fitness levels are the thing that worry me the most. It, it It's obvious that he doesn't fit into the kind of winger that Ronald Koeman wants. That's more the Yannick Balassi type of player, a bit more powerful. Dare I say Depay as well. Yeah, mm, yeah. exactly. So they, they've still got the tricks. It's just that Delafeu, he's, he's just... There's so many times when you'll look at him, even in the first 15 minutes of a match, and he's not tracking back at all. He's just jogging about, yeah. walking about sometimes. it's it, it just doesn't feel right. There's something gone wrong. Phil, the right on the wall for Jerry? Yeah, in the interest of balance, obviously spoke to Jerry about this just before Christmas, and he was absolutely adamant he hasn't got a fitness problem. Yeah. He said, you know, I get brought off, brought off after 60 minutes, and, and the people think I'm not fit. But, yeah. So... He obviously disagrees strongly with that mm-hmm. that point of view, um, but I think what is indisputable, indisputable, sorry, and I think in the chat I had with Jerry, he he, he almost said it and said certainly alluded to it. He's having to do this pressing and he's having to do this work tracking back because the manager says so. But he says it's not him, and that for me was quite a telling line. He said it's not Jerry. That's the that's the phrase he used. <laughs> the third person. He. He he obviously is about using the ball, getting the ball high up the pitch, using his tricks, his burst of pace, getting to the byline, all that sort of stuff. Tracking back, defending. It's not Spanish football. It's not La Liga. And I, I really like Jerry. And I, I thought in the first four or five months of last season, he was electric, wasn't he? He was. Mm. He was terrific. And the problem, but the problem is, he will not be given the luxury and the space and the time to just do that. No. He has to do the other side. It's non-negotiable, You need to be world-class. If you're just staying as in that role and not tracking back, you'll have to be Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, they're, they're the only yeah. ones with licences to say, listen, get back for me. I'm staying up here because I'll bank 50 yeah. season and I, for you. And as you say, with Depay coming in, Luckman coming in, it doesn't look good. I, I, I don't like giving up on players and I hope that Jerry stays until at least the end of the season. We can make you know, a bit more of a... Maybe Ronald's made his mind up, but maybe a little bit more of a, a reasoned decision on him. A little bit more time, not in the panic of January, where an offer might come in at the end and you panic a little bit and go, all right then. Because there's a player in there, but it's it's obviously a time to be honest with each other, both the manager and the player. Do you want to play the way I want to play? If not, it's not suited to either of us. If you think you can, let's give it another six months and see I, where we're at. I would I would say this, probably agree with you all. In the sense that if Jerry, he's only young, so youngish anyway, I suppose yeah, he yeah. falls into the Barkley mould of it's still time for him really to be stepping up. But if he was going to have made the grade at Everton, I fear slash suspect he really should have done it in Martinez's third season. Now, I'll, so many other things were going wrong yeah. that maybe he can't be criticised for that. But for, for him, his ideal Premier League manager would have been Roberto Martinez. He's the manager that signed him. He's a manager that would have given so much and he still wasn't getting the team week in, week out under Martinez. So, realistically, is he ever going to be a Premier League winger? I almost see him, if I were him and his agent, looking at La Liga, a mid-table club where you've got a lot more time on the ball, the pace is a bit less intense, there's not as much physicality required. 
And I probably think he's best. Well, maybe should be able to write when they had him on loan. They had him played him, didn't they? Yeah, Emery. Yeah, he just he throws him out, didn't he? Yeah. Um, we de- when he returned though, there was a definitely you could definitely tell he'd matured. But obviously, there's one thing being more grown up about your responsibilities and stuff to being able to play a way a different manager wants to. As I say, I don't want to see them give up on him just yet. But you would have to say, if you're a betting man, it doesn't look great. Well, it's interesting bit, yeah. that you called him a winger, though, because throughout pre-season, he was getting played as a second striker. Yeah, he, was up front, he plays up front for Spain under-21s, and he smashes it for them. Mm. So yeah. Well, what, why, why is he not being really given that chance for us maybe, this maybe, maybe, though, the gap between international under-21 football and Premier League football in terms of a physical nature and physicality is, is, mm. is a good I think, yeah, he'd get yeah. bullied. I have to it's say... Centre-half, yeah. you'd bully LFA if he's playing up front. He's, he hasn't got that amount of skill yeah. to get past you, has he? Yeah. He's, got the, he's got the ability, though, to, to, to operate as a 10, but I think the definition of a 10 in Ronald Koeman's eyes to what it was under Roberto is different. Mm. I think Roberto's 10 is, you know, David Silva. Mm. Ronald Koeman's 10 is... For want of a better example, like Gabbiadini, a lad who can hold it as well as drop in between the lines. He's not just a, a little, you know, a trickster, you know, jinking loads of guile. He's, he can hold it up, good in the a air. A bit more of a second striker. And that's, and that's why I think you've seen Calvert-Lewin get an opportunity off the bench, probably ahead of De La Fate. Because for me, and the, what I, the way I understand it, I'm speaking to, uh, to Unzi and, and a few other people at the club, that's a 10 to them. Silver isn't the ten they think they need in that type. It's mm. it's a second striker. Yeah, mm. I, I think, yeah. I sorry. Will, sorry, I'll just say for my final part on, on Jerry as well. When we did see him play up front on the occasion we seen him, his finishing wasn't good enough either mm. to to warrant playing. There. What what summed his finishing up was last season away at City, where you won the up yeah. from the first leg, you won the up in the game, so you two 0 up on aggregate chance for him one on one to kill the game three 0 up two way goals and he blows it. And I think that if he does go, that will probably sum him up as his Everton career for me. Little bits and flashes, but not really good enough to um, to cut it. Yeah. We'll always remember the Arsenal goal uh, in that first yeah. season, yeah. but you know a lot of water under the bridge since then. But one player just uh, like to touch on. Do we think? What do you think of Phil Jagielka's role now? He's just what witnessed three centre halves playing ahead of him now in a role where there's four there. He's on the bench. There's three ahead of him. Now was that? What do you think, Phil, on that? Do you think if... Well, speak. going back to Ronald being honest about players, the other week, um, last week, I've been losing track of time and over this period, he'd said, quote, Jagielka is going through a tough period. And that was in the context of what he might be looking to do in January. So he's referencing a position and a player in that position that he obviously doesn't feel... I don't want to say rely on, because that's not the right phrase, mm. but he obviously feels he's got concerns over... So the fact that he even name-checked Phil and used those words, as I say, in the context of the areas he wants to strengthen, doesn't look great, does it? Um, look, the captain as well, isn't it? I think so, look, if, you, if you're saying in your squad, oh, you said, your, your first choice sitting half got injured, who are you bringing on? Chaggy Elka. Yeah. You know, you're happy with that, aren't you? Yeah. It's just, you know, I would never write him off. I think he's just, as Ronald said, it's a difficult period for him and, and it... It's difficult to see how he gets in the team for Friday because three at the back, Ashley Williams had his piping slippers on. Mm. It looked so comfortable. It was just suited for him. Funes to his left, no slouch, you know, a bit more dynamic, younger, 
Mason to his right. Mm. They do his running. He's all about position. He won. He must have cut out eight, ten crosses. And I don't think he missed a header on Boxing Day because of that. As a thirty-two-year-old going on thirty-three, Williams. That's right, isn't it? For, you know that is perfect for him. It would have been interesting to see if he'd have been quite so comfortable. If some but I know had Vardy been able to play. Well, yeah, perhaps maybe that shaped Ronald's decision-making because he knew he was banned. Yeah, precisely. Again, Hull, as Tony said, maybe haven't always got what they've deserved from games so far, but this is the Premier League and teams get relegated every single year, claiming hard luck stories and not getting what they deserved in many instances. However, Phil, we'll come back to the start of the podcast. Koeman was, was very pointed, and not just in the usual cliched way, to say, don't expect us to go and roll them over. Yeah, yeah. You just don't do that, do you? No. Unless you're Chelsea at home, seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just doesn't happen. And as I say, like your Burnleys, Hull will be looking at the KC or whatever it's called nowadays yeah. for where they'll pick up their points. And I think they'll be super competitive. If it's you know, if they haven't scored, by the way, that's what I'm saying. If it's nil-nil, 70, 75 minutes, they're still going to be in it. So I haven't really just... You might sound very negative and you might think, why should we do this? We've only got to play Hull. I play the same formation. I play the same way. I'd be, I'd be tight. I'd be, su- I'd be tight, solid, compact. Manage the game like we did against Leicester, and then just start, pile, you know, just stepping on the gas late on and put the pressure on, and they'll crack. I think. Uh, do you, I don't think you would have been. Correct me if I'm wrong. Quite old enough to remember the worst bit of the Walter Smith era. Not really, no. So, um, <laughs> so with that in mind, <laughs> you'll go for a, a negative dower setup as long as we get the points as well. Oh well, yeah. Uh, well, I wouldn't exactly call it negative. If it, the way I'd see it, I'd I'd want two strikers on the pitch, as well as well as five at the back. Just <laughs> just pack pack out that that central that central channel. Just let Baines and Coleman do their work on the flanks. If we're gonna play two defensive midfielders, they can cover for them if they go forward. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that defensive. It's not. It's not going to be good watch, is it? Let's have it right. It's not. <laughs> it's going. To, I know it's on the telly. But it's not going to be a good watch. For Friday night so football. Friday night yeah. football. It's going to be Hull just literally chasing Everton. It's two teams that are just going to be listen, battle it out, and see what we can get. That's all it's going to be. And as Adam touched on at the start of the podcast, this isn't an entertainment. This is about getting the results. If Everton score one 0 last minute or score in the first minute. And ends up hanging on, win one nil. That's all you're interested yeah, in. Results business. It is, we owe we own one anyway. Yeah. After going there what, two year, two years ago, nearly two years ago, New Year's Day. Oh, oh. Phil, <laughs> don't <laughs> remind me. Just one last <laughs> thing before we wrap up and go to predictions. If Jaggy Elke, as we all suspect, doesn't start tomorrow evening, maybe Gareth Barry plays or whoever wears the armband. I feel increasingly now that there's someone who should be wearing it and he captains his country and he should be our captain as well. So, Seamus Coleman. I'm not, by the way, I should add, I'm not trying to advocate stripping Phil Jagielka of the club captaincy halfway through the season. I think that's a decision you have to make next summer, if appropriate. What I mean is, in his absence, for me, there's only one man who should be wearing that armband. Coleman's position, I totally agree. There's a few candidates. I think Ashley Williams is another. I think Ashley Williams is captain material. He was he was going. You could see what he he was talking to Mason Allgate right throughout that second half. You could see. He was talking before the game. I he, watched it. Yeah, he, in his ear. And he was out. <laughs> yeah. Where is it? Slamani. He, he was headers towards the end, yeah. and Mason was getting out, jumped a bit towards the end, and Ashley Williams just roaring at him, belting at him. I think that's what you need as a captain. I don't think Seamus Coleman has got that in his locker. Yeah, he's an international captain, and he's done really well for Everton. 
I think you need a proper leader, someone who's going to get, if you have to do it, in the referee's face time to time. That's what we haven't seen from Phil Jagielka in many years. Players need to get nasty sometimes. And Hold on, you do get much nastier than Coleman in the derby. Yeah, running forty yards I, to the right during Henderson. I mean, as a, a character, I think Ashley Williams ticks every box for me. If you're naming an, an Everton captain, Seamus Coleman's a great shout, but for me, Williams. I think Ashley Williams. I suppose it's what you Tony's made made it clear, but it depends what you you're after in a leader. And this is, could be another podcast, but in terms of, do you want them just to lead by example, or do you want them to be? A vocal presence more so. Now, obviously, Williams on Boxing Day ticked all the boxes. Yeah. But, you know, I I, I think, you, you know, you can't underestimate the value of Gareth Barry as being captain. Yeah, he might not be a ranter and a raver, but he's, he's, he's experienced enough to be in the FC when he needs to be. And he does the right things and he leads by example. He's a calming influence for me. He's that type of player. Because yeah. he'll always have the ball off you. You might be in, in you know, in absolute dog dirt and you think, I need to get rid of it. He'll be there for you. What, what, just briefly, Phil, what do you think on Garibaldi's situation lately? He's been substituted a few times, hasn't mm-hmm. he? What, and he hasn't, he hasn't played as many games as what we, we think he will. Do you think that he'll just be a squad player next season or do you think he'll be more of the yeah, same? Yeah, I, I think there's an acceptance probably on both sides that yeah. he's, look, the only game in 12 months extension, I think that was pretty indicative of, yeah. of where they see him going. He's 35 now, is he 35, 34? 35. Look, as we saw with players like Distan, and, and we could go through a list of, they can just, all of a sudden, drop. it just it just goes, doesn't it? Phil Jagielka could be an example. You know, Gareth's not there yet, but I think there's an acceptance bringing in Schneiderlin. Guy will be back after the Africa Cup of Nations. Maybe bringing Thomas Delaney, if that deal can get done. Tom Davis even coming yeah, on exactly. board. Yeah, exactly, and Tom coming through. I think there's a, an understanding and appreciation that his games will have to be managed more and more as we progress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lads, prediction time. Adam, we'll start with you. Hull, Friday Night Football, what's going to happen? I'm going to go for a comfortable 2-0 Everton win. Comfortable? Comfortable, yeah. With the first half to forget and the second half, maybe a little bit more triumphant. Oh, you know Everton well. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be nice to watch, is it? I'm going for 2-1 Everton. Two wins so far. I would kind of agree with both of you, really. My only concern is, as Phil says, Hull use that home momentum and get an early goal and then we're chasing for an equaliser. And because Everton give me no reason not to be, I'm going to be a misanthrope of misery and say it'll be one all. Um, Philip? I'll be cursing myself for saying this when, when the deadline for the, uh, the next day's paper's approaching, but I think it'd be a late, late winner, 1-0. Oh. Late 1-0 winner? Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you three are right and I'm very much wrong. It wouldn't be the first time. Thanks for listening. We'll be back to more regular scheduling with Gav Buckland next week. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening.